T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Longest game in the World Series history. Blum hits it into right down the line. It is gone. Jeff Blum, the former Astro, goes deep. And here in the 14th inning, the White Sox take a 6-5 lead. Jeff Blum gets his first at bat of this series and only his second of the postseason. Never gets old for White Sox fans, that's for sure. This hour is brought to you by Shelton Fireworks, home of the big ones. That was, of course, from Game 3 of the 2005 World Series on Fox. Joe Buck calling Jeff Blum's home run right now. It's time to go out to the score hotline where we're joined by the 2005 World Series hero, current Houston Astros color analyst Jeff Blum for Sportsnet Southwest. You can follow him on Twitter at Blummer27. Hey, Jeff, thanks as always for your time. No, it's always good being on with you guys, and I agree. That never gets old. I know a lot of people where I'm standing don't appreciate it, but uh, that was a good time. That's always funny uh, whenever we do talk to you about that and – at times, we've gone into great detail about that at bat and that home run. It's funny that uh, so much of your life has surrounded the Houston Astros and that it came against them. I know. And, you know, what's funny is I, I get some vitriol about that, having played here for five years, now broadcasting for the, for six years here. But uh, I always have to remind them that uh, I, they traded me to Tampa Bay in 2003. So they, they kind of set that ball rolling in motion. Just a little bit of payback for getting traded to Tampa. Did that stop after what happened in the fall? Yes. No, 2017 definitely helped out when they went out and got their own <laughs> ring and brought home that uh, World Series title in Texas, yes. Speaking of that ring, uh, I, I I watch a lot of Astros games, and I watch Jose Altuve play as much as possible because he is so much fun to watch. I, it is amazing to me the effort that he brings every single night, Jeff, because you would think, and I, I know we asked you about this, uh, a month or two ago, it, it, you would think there would be some sort of fatigue, some sort of hangover. There doesn't seem to be any with this team, and specifically with Altuve. I am stunned by his effort every night. Are there any days that he takes off? No, I wish I could say that he did, and he's human, but he, he's not. He is a guy, he's not a, one of those vocal clubhouse leaders that's going to go out there and yell at you or pull you off to the side and explain how the game should be played. He's a guy that speaks volumes with his actions, and I think that what, that's what makes him so endearing to a lot of the major league community is the fact that he goes out there and plays hard every single day. He, If, if you look at him in stature, he's not a guy that's going to blow you away and that you would figure would be able to go out and get 200 hits each season, but the fact that he does play so hard and he hustles out every ground ball, like we saw in this series with that ground ball to short, is that his speed and his hustle can turn uh, regular ground balls into hits, and that's why he's so good. What is going on with Dallas Keuchel this year? Uh, the numbers actually resemble a couple of years ago to 2016 with an ERA north of four. Uh, he's on the bump today. Yeah, it, it's been interesting, and it's funny how we keep saying vintage Keuchel every time he goes out there and throws a couple of good innings. But that, 
when he was vintage Keuchel, and we talk about that, he is a guy much like uh, Tom Glavin back with the Atlanta Braves that would stay off the edges, down in the zone, not pitching, uh, throwing too many good strikes to hit. And uh, a guy like Glavin, and I think Keuchel needs to get back in a situation where he doesn't give in in ABs and give the hitter anything to hit. I think sometimes he's gotten frustrated this season with maybe his location down in the zone and thrown some too many good pitches up in the zone, and they've been getting hit pretty hard. But when he is on and he is Dallas Keuchel, he is in that lower third part of the zone early in the count and then starts creeping off the edges, creating chase because he's gotten ahead with that first pitch strike. Sounds like John Lester, too. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. To stay down in the zone, don't give in. You know, sometimes I think a lot of these guys get caught pitching to game plans as opposed to pitching to their strengths. And Dallas Keuchel is a guy that I think needs to pitch to his strengths as opposed to a game plan against a certain hitter. Jeff, watching Tucker yesterday, he's got a really impressive swing. It's pretty simple. It's pretty level. He His shoulders are, are even. Uh, he's got great balance. It, it looks... It looks pretty simple. There's not there doesn't appear to, uh, doesn't appear to be a whole bunch of launch angle there. What kind of a hitter is he? Um, I, I think he is that modern day ball player, but his swing is a little bit of a throwback. And uh, you know, there's a lot of commentary from uh, scouts and front office personnel here in Houston who liken his swing to the one of Ted Williams. But you're right, very simple. Gets on plane early and stays through the zone a long time. Uh, but it's interesting talking to a kid who's only 21 years old and, and and listen to him speak about hitting and talking about, you know, just focusing on getting the barrel to pitches in the zone. That's what a lot of the Astros organization predicates and teaches these guys. They develop it, that mentality of don't chase, stay in the zone, and if you get a pitch in the zone, be ready to barrel it up. And that's exactly what Kyle Tucker does. He does have a very simple swing, but we saw, you know, James Shields did a good job with him last night. I think it was a little tough for him having to face a, a salty veteran like that who's going to go out there and change speeds and change break. And it proved to be pretty tough uh, with three strikeouts against James Shields before he got that, eventually got that base hit off uh, Rondon. Charlie Morton turns 35 later on this year, and, and he's on his way to having the best season of his career. Since he arrived down in Houston a couple of years ago, what's changed? Um, I wish I could tell you, and you know what? We've actually had the conversations with Charlie Morton asking him, you know, what happened? Because I actually faced Charlie Morton when he uh, was a, when he was young in his career, and he was literally just a sinker-slider type guy, and it was a comfortable A-B. I didn't panic when I got to two strikes uh, because it was coming in there at 92 miles an hour. This is a different Charlie Morton. I'm not sure what happened or if it's health or if it's strength or if it's a change in mechanics, but he is coming out and throwing consistently 96, 97 miles an hour, and he still ha- it doesn't necessarily have the sink anymore, but it has that arm side run. So it's coming in like a bowling ball. The right-handed hitters tying him up, and then uh, he developed a curveball that just is an absolute sweeper, wipeout type pitch. And now he used to be, a, you know, his nickname is Ground Chuck. I think it's you know going to turn into K Chuck because all of a sudden here with the Houston Astros, he turned into a strikeout guy. And uh, he's talked about retiring after this contract, but I think his numbers and the offers he get might change that. Hey, Jeff, uh, the Astros have been pushed by the Mariners for a good portion of this season. Is that going to make it more difficult for them to rest some of these guys down the stretch as we as we ponder them uh, having pitched into November last year and wondering about the effects of that on some of these guys in the starting rotation and even some of the bullpen guys as you get toward October again? 
Yeah, it's going to be interesting, and they are going to push them. And it's also interesting in the fact that the schedule sets up to where they will play the Mariners quite a bit down the stretch after the All-Star break. Um, so it will be interesting. The two guys that I'm most concerned about in the rotation are uh, – uh, Charlie Morton, because of the health issues in the past and pitching as deep as he did last year, but also Lance McCullers, who's now made the most consecutive starts he's ever made in a single season. Um, he's a young arm, so I know they're going to keep an eye on that. The other thing is, is after the All-Star break, the Astros actually have quite a few uh, legitimate off days worked into the schedules, so they will be able to manipulate the, the uh, rotation a little bit to give those guys extra rest if they need it. And... So I think that they should be all right. The other thing about the bullpen, uh, these guys have been used frequently, but they haven't been used for extended amounts. And I think a lot of that has to do with the rotation that A.J. Hinch has because these guys, the starting rotation is averaging just over, I think, six innings of ball games. So he's actually been able to push a lot of these guys back and give them days of rest for that uh, late season push. They should be all right down the stretch. Interesting that you didn't even mention the old man, Justin Verlander. You didn't you, like you have no concerns about he's. I guess he's just one of those freaks, huh? He he must be because I mean he's even said and we you know there was concern he trade for a guy that's thirty five years old and then you anticipate you know will he break down will he need those extra days off will they need to manipulate that ten day DL to give him some extra time but he continues to get strong he got off to an electric start and he's another guy that just. Uh, you know, simply says that he is healthy for the first time in a very long time for Justin Berlander, and I think that's why the numbers are so good, and I think that's why he's racking up so many innings. But he's a real leader in that clubhouse, and I think he's taken a lot of pride in being the leader of this rotation and showing these guys how it's done to get deep in games. He's Jeff Blum. He's the Astros' color voice for AT&T Sportsnet Southwest. When you say Verlander says he's really healthy for the first time, what, what was he going through that we didn't know about? Um, I think what you know it was after that MVP Cy Young year that he had. I believe it was 2011. A couple years after that, all of a sudden, I think fatigue set in, and maybe changed the arm angle a little bit, and had some elbow shoulder issues. Maybe the back was involved, but for whatever reason, the second half of the season last season, before the Astros traded for him, I think that's what encouraged the Astros to trade for him. Is the latter part of uh, 2017, they started to see the numbers spike a little bit and start trending in the right direction which gave them a good idea that Justin Verlander was getting back to being Justin Verlander. And don't ever underestimate a guy who's been out and been pitching for a long time at a sustained success and realizing an opportunity to go out and win a world championship and be a leader. That probably reinvigorated Justin Verlander here in Houston, and then it's paid off. A little different situation this year at the trade deadline. What do they need? Um, for for me, with no you know no uh, purse strings involved and in, uh, contract issues and uh, no attachment to guys in the minor leagues, I would find a way to go out and get a closer of some kind or a left-handed specialist that's a wipeout. I know that Brad Hand is a name that keeps popping up. Zach Britton is another name that keeps pop- popping up. That was a lot of talk about him last year, um, but that that is probably the first and foremost issue is maybe getting one more bullpen arm. But the other one is uh, with Brian McCann, the catcher on the DL with that knee issue, will he come back healthy? Will he come back strong? Will he be, come back to be able to finish off the, the postseason? So I think catching is kind of in, in the you know in the back of their minds, and they might be kicking the tires on some guys as far as behind the plate. Is Correa okay? Yeah, he'll be fine. He's young, and uh, he's young, and the reason I say that is because if they're going to be a little more protective. It's like some of these young pitchers where they cut back on innings trying to protect that arm it's uh he's a young guy he's got an extended future ahead of him because he's such a generational type talent 
that I want to make sure I, I believe they want to make sure that he is 100% before he gets back on the field. And with the, you know, if they are still able to maintain a lead in the West, and I think they want to have him healthy for that stretch run when they try and create separation between themselves and the Seattle Mariners. Jeff, there's a very quiet story taking place in Oakland, at least for those of us yeah. uh, in the upper Midwest here. I don't know that you hear a whole bunch about Oakland, but they're nine games over 500, six and a half uh, behind the Mariners at this point. How is that happening in Oakland? And is could they maybe start to become buyers rather than sellers here? Um, I think at this given moment, I think they are looking to be buyers because they realize that maybe with the run differential number that the Seattle Mariners have ahead of them, that they have an opportunity maybe to catch up and, and take advantage when the luck of the Seattle Mariners possibly starts to run out a little bit and they lose some of those close games. But they have a very good core over there. Uh, Chris Davis, Jed Lowry, the veteran guys over there are doing a very good job of, of leading that club on the field and, and, and getting them to play 162 games Uh the guys at the corners are interesting to me. The Matt Olson at first base and Matt Chapman at third base. Matt Chapman, arguably and statistically, is the best defensive third baseman in the league right now. He's doing a heck of a job over there, very athletic. But he's also driving the baseball well, too. These guys have sneaky pop, and you can't take a nap on them because mistakes do get hit pretty hard. Um, but they're playing good team baseball. I, I give a lot of credit to Bob Melvin for what he's doing and going out there and encouraging these young guys to go out and play baseball and helping them understand that they do have an opportunity if they play up to their capabilities and maybe overachieve a little bit to go up and sneak up into a wild card spot. Uh, Blake Trine is doing a heck of a job out of that back end of that bullpen, leading the American League with ERA, so he's been shut down. So they may be going out there trying to see if they can find a couple of maybe sneaky you know, trade options to go out there and help them get better. Jeff, what are your thoughts on the state of game right state of the game right now? We're hearing a lot of rumors about just okay, the NL is probably going to have the DH soon. They're considering banning shifts. Uh, they're they're trying to eliminate some of these strikeouts every month. We're, we're setting new records with strikeouts in baseball. Just as someone that played in a in a bit of a different era, even though it wasn't that long ago, uh, what do you think about what what you see right now on a daily basis? Um, if I'm being brutally honest, there's moments where I get a little, I, I, I get concerned because there are so many high strikeouts and th- that leads to a little bit more of a boring game. We always talk about pace of play and action in the game. The action happens when guys are able to put the bat on the baseball. Um, and that doesn't happen too often these days. And a lot of it, there's two things that are happening. Hitters are trying to hit the ball over the ship. So if a guy's shifting, you know, the old Ted Williams mentality is, well, I can beat them by hitting it over their head. So everybody's trying to dip and drive, lift and separate, no two-strike approaches, and try and drive the ball as far as they possibly can every swing. So that leads to a lot of strikeouts. The second thing is pitching has gotten so much better. You know, we're seeing a little bit of a renaissance as far as the velocity and ability to create movement with that velocity, and that's why a lot of strikeouts are up. But, you know, part of me does enjoy the fact that pitchers can go out there and control games. I'm watching it with, you know, the Astros starting rotation. But at the same time, you see some of the more successful teams, the Red Sox, uh, you know, maybe not the Yankees, but the Houston Astros and some of these other teams that go out and have high contact rates and high slugging rates and lower strikeout percentages. Those are the teams that move on and play well in the playoffs. So that's where I'm encouraged. Jeff, you uh, have seen plenty of Cole Hamels over the years. 
Do you know what's happening with him right now? Obviously, not a good day for him yesterday, not getting out of the first. Does he have value on the trade market, and what's happening with him? Um, I think he has value out there, especially because you know left-handed pitching is such a commodity. It feels like these days, but uh, he's he used to be uh, when I faced him, he was a mid nineties changeup guy. Now he's you know low nineties with a cut change slider. You know he's trying to manipulate some of these pitches a little bit more. So when you're trying to manipulate three, four pitches to get outs. I have to think you have a tendency to make some mistakes with them, and that might be what's happening with Cole. And, you know, I don't want to say that he's getting older, maybe fatigue is setting in, but you're going to go through a phase during the season where your arm gets dead or you maybe lose a little bit of that control for a couple of starts, and then you regain that form and that health and you get that second win. But Cole Hamels is a guy that I still think, feel I feel, still has value. I've seen him pitch well against the Houston Astros. So I think that, you know, teams that will look at him and see those numbers against a high-quality team like the Astros, that's where the value comes in. Jeff, before we let you go, as we look at the Astros from afar, they just look absolutely dominant and seem to have few flaws and few problems. What would keep them from getting to the World Series again? And if they do get there, would anything keep them from winning it again? Um, Just... What's interesting, and I talked about the bullpen, the bullpen is an issue just because I believe pitching, good pitching can go out and beat good hitting. Uh, that's the only thing for me. But the interesting thing about the bullpen issue is, and we saw it last year, when they go out and they have those compressed series, you can move a guy like Charlie Morton or Lance McCullers into that bullpen situation and use those guys and create depth that way. So they have, they, they have a team that's good enough to get there. It's just a matter of, dealing with the Boston Red Sox are a better team. The New York Yankees are a better team, and those series are going to be a little more intense. And how they step up in that intensity, can they do what they did last year? I think it's going to be more mentality and intensity in dealing with that again. What's cool about A.J. Hinch, too, and what separates him, I think, from virtually every other manager in the postseason is he doesn't care what the plan was. If a guy's getting out, <laughs> yeah. he lets him get out. And, and I mean, good Lord, it, it, outs are so valuable in a postseason game He'll just let a guy stay in and pitch three or four innings if he's getting outs. And uh, I, I have to assume he would continue to do something like that. Yeah, and I think that's his game plan right now until there is a move made in that bullpen. But they, they have mapped things out. They understand they're good enough to get back to the playoffs, and I think that they've already got a game plan. And it's nice to see that you're able to go out there and have the success of moving guys out of the rotation into the back end of that bullpen. But A.J. Hinch is a guy who's going to control things in, in, the, in the moment. He's not going to Analytics are great throughout the course of the season because you have such a long season and you can adjust, you know, in weeks. In the postseason, you've got to adjust in the moment, in the day. So he's going to do that again this postseason. But it's nice to have a guy who's had a track record and also has a rapport with these guys in the dugout to be able to have that conversation and get the best out of them no matter what the situation. Jeff, thanks so much for your time. We always appreciate it. You always answer the phone, and we love talking to you. And uh, I'm sure this will not be the last time. During the 20- you know, I, I'm, I'm glad to hear it. Chicago's been great to me. You guys have been great to me. Always have a good time with you guys. Talk to you again soon. Thank you. All right. Take care, fellas. Thanks, Jeff. Jeff Blum, White Sox World Series hero, a guy I'm very grateful to because winning game three was huge. Because that <laughs> meant they were going to sweep, and that meant I could go home a day early. I had two little kids at home.
I see. I, I won't even make fun of you there because I, I understand exactly where you're coming and from. Not that I dislike Houston because I actually yeah. like Houston quite a bit. But that's, a, I, that's a huge deal at the end of a long season. Yeah, at the end of a very long playoff run, you want to go home. We know what's happening. Let's just finish it up. Right. So yeah. that, that was big. Winning that game was big because you knew they were going to sweep and good. I and go it made home, for I a get, better story, too. I get to go home. Uh, for those may have uh, missed the news, the news this morning, Chris Bryant, he's going on a rehab assignment. He's going to A Tennessee, and the Brewers have announced Lorenzo Cain is coming off the DL, but Ryan Braun is going on the DL. Ryan Braun to the DL. Sorry, day DL. E- Eli, you have that Chris Bryant sound you're, you're giving me. Maybe you have it. Maybe you don't. You typed it up, which made me think that you have it. You said it just kind of depends on my, my stubbornness and if I kind of go out there and take the right amount of swings each day or take too many I mean that's kind of what it is so it's just managing you know the workload and um, if I do that then I should be good the maintenance program uh, is there like band work that you're gonna have yeah. to continue to do and things like that yeah I mean it's probably something that we all should do too I mean we're you know using these muscles so often that you know sometimes we neglect them and um, I certainly was one to do that. So, you know, getting with the trainers and stuff like that and getting the shoulders stronger is only going to help me. And um, I feel a whole lot stronger. I've, I've been doing it for a couple of weeks now, and I feel like, um, you know, it's something that I've never really done. So it's all good good things for me. You don't feel it at all when you play defense. It's only on the swing. No, I mean, I mean, if I can limit sliding in headfirst as much as possible, that would be great. Um, <laughs> but sometimes you're just you know, diving for balls at third base and stuff like that, that you really can't control that. But, you know, feeling the ball and throwing the ball, never felt it there. Mm. Cardio, uh, being able to keep up with all that while you've been out? Yeah, I I mean, I feel good. Thankfully, baseball is not really a sport. We're running back and forth. It's just kind of, you know, really sprinting 180 feet or 270 feet. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So that's, that's good, but... You know, I was running the bases yesterday and felt really fast. So, I mean, my body should should feel good after a little break. So that was Chris Bryant this morning talking about his, it was. So, his, okay. his sore shoulder. Just making sure. Yeah. I don't know. I just heard And I audio. heard uh, what it sounded like a clown's bicycle in the background at the beginning of that. Uh, tooting his horn. Yeah, it was in the production hitting, side of the studio. Hitting the... <laughs> wow. That was from... So that was you... Eli, hitting your... your You had the the big afro, yes. The rainbow. Big shoes. (laughs) (laughs) Play the first 10 10 seconds of that again, Eli. Who's who's got the bicycle horn? The clown's bicycle horn going. It just kind of depends on my my stubbornness and if I... (laughs) (laughs) There was more It just kind of depends on my, my stubbornness and if I... There's more than one. It was a few times. Is that Madden? Who was that? I thought I thought they weren't doing the. Yeah, they're not doing that anymore. I thought they weren't doing the clowns anymore. <laughs> this what, segment on this one. This segment on the more. score is brought to you by Menards. Save big money at Menards. Um. Yes. Yeah, the Houston thing is pretty intimidating when you watch it. Oh, you're I mean, Barry Rosner's starting to cave. No, 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 no. no? I'll stay. You're I'll still st- Yankees? I'll stay with the Yankees. Man, that's Sonny Gray. But they've got to do. Can you start him in the playoffs? No. 
How many guys? Is there anybody in that rotation after Severino that you'd be willing to put out there? In yeah, the no, I feel, I feel good about CC Sabathia. I trust yeah. him. Yeah, I trust him. Um, but they probably do need two guys. Well, I mean, I I don't, you know, the the Tanaka thing is 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 weird. I mean, how it's probably going to play out? See, that's the thing. Okay, you have Severino. What else do you have to go against the Astros? If that's what happens in the end. But who knows? Who knows? They could be in the wild card game. And they have to throw out Severino. Oh man, wait till you hear wait till you hear the screaming. <laughs> this is such a Oh, it's like, gonna happen. The national guys, yes. just like the Chris Bryant seven Need is more to change than 60, the rules. Have to change it. Anytime something happens. There's immediate screaming and everything has to change. Well, we especially change. if you're in, involving a New York team, we involving must, the Yankees. We must change the rules. You played 162 games. That ought to be enough for you to make a decision about your season. But what I will say is if you win 100 games, come on. Hey, the, the San Francisco Giants in 1993 won 103 games and didn't even make the playoffs. Lost yeah, to the 104-win Braves. I mean, it's 162 games. Make your decision in there. You have an opportunity there. And I think ultimately they'll expand the one game to a, to probably a two of three. Uh, but, you know, at that point, you're asking teams, you're asking the other teams to sit for four days See, after the, a season's the, over. The other part and of that's it. A, that's a serious, I think that's a serious problem. Okay, but the other part of it was is the AL Central is so bad, so bad. And you're probably going to win 100 games, and you're going to have one game to see if you can move on. Yeah. And then you have to go with your two against the one. And yeah. So win your division. You know, go win your division. I know it's – look, I know the it's – The second place team, I'm – I know it's going to look unfair. We'll see how it plays out, but I know. most likely at the end, I'm not going to be yelling at the second place team saying, hey, it's your fault. I won a hundred games. So then you you want them to expand it to? No, I'm not saying want, expand it. I'm not saying expand it. It's going to be unfair. There's, yeah, I mean, it's it's going to hurt. Somebody's going to hurt bad, and there's yeah. going to be some bad teams. So whenever this happens, the national guys start screaming. Got to change the rules. This is a loophole. It's a, it's not a loophole. It's the rule. Well, it's the rule. I'm talking about the seven is more than six. Thing. Sure, that was that was called a loophole. It wasn't a loophole. It's in the CBA. These are the rules that are It's collectively bargained. So if you change it to, well, you can't do that to somebody after one week, well, they're just going to keep. If it had been a month, the Cubs would have waited a month. Whatever it is, that's what teams are going to do. It's the only time during a player's career, those first three years, that you have control. You ready to relive it? You ready to relive it? This is going to happen with Eloy Jimenez. It's going to happen. Because now that he's injured, there's oh, is you there can, any reason to rush him this season? You can avoid bringing him up this year, and then you can wait. You a week. do it. You can wait ten days. That's next year. what I'm doing. Seven is more than six. That's what I'm doing. Seven will still be more than six on the, on the playoff thing. What about Kopech? Might be able to do it with Kopech. Yes, certainly. On the on the playoff front, yes. now it was Seelig's thing about winning your division is very important. Right. I don't know if it's Manfred's thing, and he's putting everything on the table. I'm not saying that he should make a change, but I wonder if that's something that's being considered that just isn't being leaked out, like the DH and, and shifts and all that is being leaked out. Well, if you do expand, then you're probably gonna going go to expand. You're going to go probably to four divisions, right, in each league? Probably. Then you can give, you can give your, 
you can give your four division winners a buy. You can have the other, you can have the, what would you go? Would you go to four wild cards or would you go to second place teams? What would you, how would you do that? And have them play each other? Yeah. Yeah. I see. You're still going to have the Yankees, no matter what you do. If you go to a four team division, you're still going to have the Yankees and the Red Sox in the same division. You're not going to change that. And you will still have the problem, especially if it's going to be the same problem. You'll still have the problem if you're playing best two of three, best of three. They're going to have teams sitting for four days, at least four days, at least. What if you got weather? I mean, that's entirely possible. The first week of October. See, what if I, you got? What if yeah, you got weather? I think they like having the one game. I think they like it. I know it's rough. I know it's rough, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but I don't know how long you can ask these other teams to sit. I mean, let's say, let's say you're the Cubs and you win 100 games this year and you win your division, and then you got to sit and wait for four days. I mean, a day off is nice, even two days off. But when you get to three or four, now you – I mean, you could have pitchers not throwing for quite a while. Obviously, they're going to throw on the side. But you have pitchers not participating in games for quite a while. And you also you had have hitters it. not seeing game conditions for quite a while. You also had it when – And I'm the- sure you can point to situations where that's good for a team and situations where that's bad for a team. But I think if you ask any player or you asked any manager or you asked any GM, they wouldn't want their team sitting there. Well, and there, and there really wasn't much outrage – when the Cubs played the Pirates in the wild card game, and you had three teams with 97 plus victories in the NL Central, where was the outrage? It's because it's going to happen in New York and Boston. So it's going to be a big thing. Right. What well, was it? 197 96 or 198 97? The three teams two years ago in the Central? Well, right, right. Yeah. A few years. Yeah, no. And, and you, you know, you run the risk if you do that that series where you could have some weather issues and as it is you're have you seen hot weather like this in chicago after all these years give me some thoughts (laughs) yeah no it's never been hot in chicago before it's never happened hey you guys were teasing me do you have uh you have some serious you have some serious mad dog from this week we have okay you have something special this we're gonna go something special we're gonna go to a break i had to alert alert eli to this you don't want to go anywhere Mad Dog goes in on the White Sox. The White Sox. Oh, it's special. I cannot wait. This hour of Hit and Run is brought to you by Northwestern Football. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Fitz and the Wildcats host Michigan, Nebraska, Wisconsin, Notre Dame, Illinois, and more this fall at Ryan Field. Season and single game tickets are on sale now at anusports.com. Somebody sent me a few paragraphs from uh, from a story. I think it was I, – I don't know who wrote it. It was, I believe, NBC Sports Chicago. Basically trashing the White Sox, praising the Bears for Another not – Another one. Tra- praising the Bears for not tanking, but ripping the White Sox for tanking. As though that's a – as though – What? Yeah, I, I seriously. Yeah, I only, building an NFL team is the same. Plus, didn't it work for the Cubs? Didn't it work for Houston? Didn't it work for Kansas City? Hasn't it worked for Washington with obviously the exception of, of you're you're getting, two, you're two of a four to five year rebuild? We must declare. Yeah, it's failure or not. Yeah, I, it's bizarre. Uh, well, but Bears cheerleading is all. It's 
We're almost there. It's almost time. It's almost time. Get ready for it. Six months of it. six months of Bears cheerleading. We're we're gonna be the Rams of this year. We it's, we got our Jared Goff. We so you, got our Carson Wentz. Year four of a rebuild. She's pissed winning. off. They should be winning the Super Bowl. All right. When we get back, when we come back uh, on hit and run, we uh you will you will honor me with with more Mad Dog. All right. We have some other great sound for you as well. And uh, we've barely talked about the White Sox, and there's a couple things that uh, we should get to in this next half hour here on Hit and Run on the Score. My stubbornness, and if I kind of go out there and take the right amount of swings each day or take too many, I mean, that's kind of what it is. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question about the hitting. About the hitting. About the hitting. (laughs) Welcome back in on Hit and Run on the Score. Joe Ostrowski, Barry Rosner with you for another hour, taking you up to Cubs baseball. i got to get to the White Sox. But you have a uh, mad yeah, dog treat Barry, for me. Barry, when I saw this, I was crying for about five minutes, and I texted Eli, listen, this happened. We must find it. I couldn't stop laughing. The, the laughter you hear in the cut is Jeff Passan. He's interviewing Jeff Passan <laughs> at the time. And they started talking about the White Sox. Here is Mad Dog Russo on MLB Network. Uh, in the background, laughter is Jeff Passan. The White Sox, too, you know, let's 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 knock the White Sox a little bit. You know, first <laughs> off, a couple years ago, they went all in. That was a complete mess. That never worked out. They, you know, they made you know, Robertson and everybody else. They tried to sign Cabrera, and all of them were awful and they were terrible. And then they unloaded all these guys. And let's be honest, the people they unloaded these guys for—the Red Sox trade, the Nationals. These guys aren't any good. A lot of the pitchers from the Washington's terrible. Moncada has done nothing. The other kid can't make the stamp with those 110 miles an hour. I mean, Popich, whatever his name is, can't make the team. I mean, the White Sox, I mean, I know they expected to be banned. They're pathetic. They're a horrendous team. When do we give that team a little grief? They tried to go all in. That was a disaster. Then they tried to regroup, and even worse than we thought. What's your take on them for a sec? <laughs> He's already got Kopek as a bust. He Wait, can't make the team. Eli, Kopech, whatever his name is. <laughs> Kopek? So I, I was watching it at MLB.com, and the closed captioning, when you, when you click on the video, it pops up until you take it off. And I left it up, and at that moment, the closed captioning said that he said, Cockpit. <laughs> Do you have what he said about Giolito? Cockpit is a bust. The Washington kid who's about seven foot tall, he can't throw the ball over the plate, so I'm tired of him too. (laughs) They're all busts, every one of them. He's declared them busts. They go all in, then they do the rebuild, and in the middle of the second year, it's over. Yeah. I know they expect it to be bad. They're pathetic. Yeah, it's, let's rip it's, on them for a minute. Yeah, it's a, yeah. Let's knock them. Let's go ahead and knock. Let's announce ahead of time we're going to knock them, and then let's go ahead and knock them for a minute. Go ahead, Coppich, whatever his name is. Coppich. Pass it's dying. Coppich? <laughs> on sports, he's lying. Pass uh, Passin is uh, is laughing when he when he bas- basically at that moment he's calling Kopech a bust. He doesn't know his name. There's right. also there's also this. When he promotes the, the Passage podcast. Now you got your podcast going on here, the Yahoo Jeff Passage podcast. Let me hear some thoughts on that for a sec. Go ahead. 
See, people think we're splicing this. I, this is, I this who? Is, now you got your podcast going on here, the Yahoo. I who? The I who? Give it's me your a, thoughts on that. IHOP. It's an IHOP podcast. For it's a second. Passing the I hop. You got your podcast going on here, the Yahoo Jeff Passon podcast. Let me hear some thoughts on that for a sec. Go ahead. Talk about that for a sec. We don't add that. He says it every time. We How many how many more people are are watching this or we de- are helping or, their ratings. Or DVRing this every day because When do we of give us. that team a little grief? They try to go all in. That was a disaster. Then they try to regroup and even worse than we thought. What's your take on them for a sec? <laughs> Fire away. Go ahead. He doesn't know the guy's name, but yeah. Pitches from the Washington's terrible. Moncada has done nothing. They're all busts. It's July of the second year, and and they're all busts. If you aren't Gleyber Torres, if you aren't Juan Soto, you're a bust, right? How about, what about Jimenez and Cease? Is that that trade a disaster, too? Yeah. The Cubs when, would take that trade back right now. Whenever they, whenever you know the the narrative shifts to this White Sox thing is a complete failure. And mind you, this was happening in the first month of the second season of a five year rebuild. Yep. Okay, so thirteen months into a five year rebuild, it was already a bust. But no one mentions the Quintana deal. It's going to be a Why bust when they don't get Manny Machado this off season again. It's. It's the same thing all over again. Why are we surprised a little bit? We thought winning World Series, Astros, Cubs, Royals, people would see, oh, this isn't a bad route to take, especially if you fail again and again with the same way of doing things, including having one of the best one-two pitching combos in all of baseball. You still can't win going that way. So try something different, and, there, and then they get torched. And as we as we say every time, there's no promise that it's going to work. We just know that the way that it was happening was not working. I would also remind you, and I know I've brought this up before, but I think it's relevant whenever we have this conversation. It was opening day of year two of the Cubs' rebuild. Opening day. And on this very station, my co-host, said, you know, the Cubs are going to have to spend money after this season. Because obviously the first year was horrendous, and you could see already that the second year was going to be horrendous, and you looked at the lineup. It was like, Theo's going to have to, Theo's going to, have to spend money after this, this 2013? season. 2013? Yes. And I said, what are you talking about? What, <laughs> what are you talking about? What, like Carlos Pena again kind of stuff? Matt Garza again? Trade for Matt Garza? Kind of stuff. What are you talking about? It's year two, day one of year two. That's the kind of stuff. There's also so he also talked about the Cubs. I think we gotta share that with the list. Mad dog. Oh, I I must hear it. Darvish. I mean, let's be fair. And Theo's got two of these contracts now because Hayward. I don't care how many runs he saves with a nice little catch out in left center. Yeah, and he's had a better <laughs> year center. offensively, but he's not a big player. And and Darvish is now he's not going to pitch. And I gave him $126 million. Has he played a lot of left field or center left field? Center. Yeah, There's left. also, he talked about the the Cubs getting the short end of the stick uh, with their schedule to begin the second half. I know they drew the short part of the straw because they got to start the second <laughs> half on that Thursday against St. Louis. 
so they get one less day oh, off yeah. uh, for the All-Star break. I'm sure they're not too pleased. Give me some thoughts on that for a sec. Go ahead. <laughs> Come on. Stop. You're adding stuff. It's, it's, it's him. It's all him. Hold it's on. Ridiculous. draw. I need to hear that the first part of that again. Draw. They. <laughs> I don't even. What do you say? Draw the the. The short end? I know they drew the short part of the straw because they got to start the second half on that Thursday against St. Louis. So they get one less day off uh, for the All-Star break. I'm sure they're not too pleased. Give me some thoughts on that for a sec. Go ahead. Draw the short part of the straw. How is someone supposed to react to that? Passon was laughing the whole time. <laughs> he couldn't stop laughing. He was trying to, to hold it together. He was trying so hard. But it was very difficult. Wait. Now you got your podcast going on here, the Yahoo Jeff Passan podcast. Let me hear some thoughts on that for a sec. Go ahead. <laughs> Just stop. Stop. Okay. That's don't, enough. Don't That's, stop. Please stop. Don't stop. Professional broadcast. The iHoo? What? This is a professional broadcast? Now you got broadcast? your podcast going on here, no. the Yahoo Jeff Passan podcast. Let me hear some thoughts on that for a sec. Go ahead. MLB Go ahead. Network is. Go ahead. So, ha- now you got your podcast going on here, the Yahoo. I who? I think I think every time Mad Dog talks, we need Barry's laugh attached to the back end of that. I I told you you would love this. I like the I love that Passon was laughing during, the, and you know well, when he mispronounced Kopech, yeah. But it was before that. It was based. I I think he started laughing when he called out Kopech, even without mentioning his name, essentially calling him a bust at this point. The guy that throws 110 miles an hour yeah. and they can't, he can't get to the big leagues. Eli, can we hear that part again? Let me hear, let me hear your thoughts on that for a second. I think we need to play the whole thing one more time. The the first part of the passing? Yes. Yeah, go ahead. The White Sox, too, you know, let's 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 knock the White Sox a little bit. Yeah, you know, first them. off, a couple of years ago, they went all in. That was a complete mess. That never worked out. They, you know, they made you know, Robertson and everybody else they tried to sign – Cabrera, and all of them are awful, and they were terrible. And then they unloaded all these guys. <laughs> and, and let's be honest, the people they unloaded these guys for, the Red Sox trade, the Nationals, these guys aren't any good. A lot of the pitchers from the Washington's terrible. Moncada has done nothing. The other kid can't make the staff with those 110 miles an hour. I mean, Kopich, whatever his name is, can't make the team. I mean, the White Sox, I mean, I know they expected to be bad. They're pathetic. They're a horrendous team. When do we give that team a little grief? They tried to go all in. That was a disaster. Then they tried to regroup, and even worse than we thought. What's your take on them for a sec? Hoppich, whatever his name is. Hoppich. Now you got your podcast going on here, the Yahoo Jeff Passan podcast. Let me hear some thoughts on that for a sec. Go ahead. <laughs> now you got your podcast going on here, the Yahoo. All right. We got it, Eli. There we I- go. I who please <laughs> the I who with Coppich. A text from the eight four seven Mad Dog Russo sounds like the love child of Joe Pesci and Les Grabstein. You're correct that he started laughing when he called him Coppich or whatever his or, <laughs> or whatever his whatever name is. Coppich. He doesn't even know who he is. He's not in the majors. He's terrible. He's a bust. He's but awful. He's a bust out. Makata's done nothing in his first major league season. It's yeah. He how many at bats? Does he? Just, what's he got? Five hundred at bats in the bust out. Yes. He's a bust it's over. out. It's over. It's a wrap. <laughs> it's July of the second year. 
Does he like Houston? Was Houston any good last year? How were the Cubs two years ago? Okay. Yeah. Well, when, how about the Royals? Were the Royals any good three years ago? I mean, maybe when you were maybe talking the, maybe about the you, White, maybe the White Sox will be bad at this, and maybe it won't work. It might happen. Yeah, but at least they're trying, and I don't think you judge it by by one year and two months of baseball. Well, let's be honest. It, it's it's not off to a roaring start, right? I think they've been very where successful the, in acquiring were, talent. Where were the Cubs? Where were sure, the Cubs in July sure. of the second year? Well, see, that's that's the problem. That now, okay, you're on the World Series track, man. You're you're lagging behind in year two. Well, you've, they you've they've had, no way to know where they are. What, no possible way to know where they are. When I say they're not off to a roaring start, it is purely based on bad luck. I'm talking about the injuries that they've endured. Okay. And the Cubs did get very lucky. Mm-hmm. And that's the comp that we're constantly going to have. Some of the guys that are up have struggled, and other guys have lost years. They've lost seasons all early on in this process. Yep. It's the only thing that you can go on that they've been unlucky with the injuries thus far. Yeah, pretty much every one of them has been hurt to some degree. Some to a lesser degree than others. Berger, Dunning, uh, Robert, Eloy. Birdie. Yeah. Even Moncada fought through some stuff. Yes, yes. A lot of lingering stuff. It's amazing. Yeah, it's, uh, well, I, it's uh, the whole, it's a failure. They have failed. It's well, over. we're going to hear that it's in the offseason when they don't spend a ton of dough. They shouldn't spend a ton of dough. It's too early. They should have another draft with a really high pick, a couple more. But, yeah, it's It's weird. Um, maybe there isn't enough to talk about in Major League Baseball, but all of a, all of a sudden, a lot of the national oh, guys, please. all at the same time, in their mind, a lot of the national guys, all at the same time, just started hammering the White Sox before yep. we go into full-on well, uh, trade deadline mode. Do you think that Russo stumbled onto this by accident? Of do you think this ju- You think this just occurred to him one day? There was that, we did it, I don't think it was last week, it might have been a couple weeks ago, where there was suddenly this Erdici. run... Harper, yep. yeah. There was suddenly this run of national guys just killing the Sox. Mm-hmm. Hasn't stopped. It's amazing. When do we give that team a little grief? They tried to go all in. That was a disaster. Then they tried to regroup, and even worse than we thought. What's your take on them for a second? And he has no idea that the majority of the talent that they have is in the lower levels either. So, Eli, just... e- Eli, I asked you to find... Uh, Steve Stone from the other night when Jose Abreu fouled a ball off his ankle and could barely move out on the bases. And Steve Stone, who's just incredible at what he does, had just a pretty typical Steve Stone inning when he essentially forecast everything that would occur in the inning. But uh, he, one, of the, one of the best moments was this. Well, the problem is playing fairly shallow, especially in center field with Billy Hamilton. If it's hit with anything on it to Hamilton, Jose's not going to be able to score from second base. Billy's got a very strong and a very accurate arm, and he's got all kinds of speed to charge a ball if it's hit in front of him. Now he's moving back somewhat. So there's a little more room in front of him. On the ground, up the middle, into center field. Abreu waved around. Hamilton loads up the throw to the plate. It is in time. Not pinch running for Jose. Cost the run. 
It was amazing. It was just one of those great Steve Stone innings where he just said everything that happened before it happened. Yeah. And then and then called the base hit to center and Abreu would get thrown out by Billy Hamilton. It was not close. It was not close at the plate. Then there was last night, on a lighter note, last night uh, Jason Benetti was asking Steve Stone if he missed the if he missed the Astrodome at all. You missed the Astrodome? No. You don't? No. It had a bowling alley. It also had rats the size of cats. Nope. Don't miss it at all, especially with the dome here. But it was the eighth wonder of the world, Steve. I mean, yes. You so don't was miss the sewing machine when it came out. I don't miss that either. That's because the sewing machine's not gone. It is for me. You used one previously? Oh, years ago, when I was in the sewing business. What were you sewing? <laughs> I was reaping what Other I sowed. Other than seeds of doubt. <laughs> they, they did have... He almost got through it without laughing. They did have rats the size of cats in the Astrodome. They also had cats the size of lions that would chase after the rats. There was one... Wow. Yeah, there was there was as you walked, if you dared to walk from the visitors dugout up to the clubhouse, which was bad idea, you would you would go through some tunnels where you did risk seeing one of these giant rats. And there was a giant cat that sat outside the visitors clubhouse, the entrance from the tunnel into the clubhouse. There was a giant cat that sat there with a giant man. A giant old man who, if there actually were to be someone trying to get into the clubhouse, this man would not be able to stop them unless he simply fell on them. Uh, But he was pretty old at that point and really didn't move all that well. But he had a cat that always sat with him. And I made the mistake of trying to pet the cat once, and the cat came after me. I forgot about your love of cats. I do like cats. I like, I, I like dogs, too. But the cats were enormous, and the cats would get the rats, and Lord knows what any of them were carrying. Wait, which former cub – did you have a cat? Was it a cat or a dog? I, in, you... Mesa, in Mesa, yes. I, had, I found a cat at a gas station late one night. <laughs> I wanted to feed it at the gas station, and the gas station attendant would not let me feed the cat. So I brought the cat home. The cat lived with me for six weeks, and Gary Varsho had Gary this Varsho. huge dog. And my cat would sit in the window every day and wait for me to come home, and, and it became good friends with Gary Varsho's giant dog. And at the they end became, of six weeks? They became, at the end of six weeks, I found a home for it. Oh. I couldn't bring it home. I don't think you actually found one. I did. I have pictures. Show you pictures. By the way, for people who missed that picture last year of Barry with all those cats, <laughs> we're going we're gonna to tweet that out again at Hit and Run 670. All right, we got to take a break because it's Bruce Levine coming up next on Hit and Run on the Score. I know they drew the short part of the straw because they got to start the second half on that Thursday against St. Louis. So they get one last day off uh, for the All-Star break. I'm sure they're not too pleased. Give me some thoughts on that for a sec. Go ahead. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. 